Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please send us an email and let us know at impact at jfc.org. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at jfc.org. Click on the Give link and help us bring messages just like this one to you every week. Today's message is from our series, In God We Trust. In this series, we will discover the blessings of God when we align our hearts with His. Hello. Good to see you here. Glad you are here this weekend. I want to welcome you all. Let me begin by welcoming all of our campuses, all four of our live locations, and also our online location, which we also consider to be live too. Welcome all of you into our services, and we're glad that you're here this weekend. You just heard we will complete our series called In God We Trust. Before we jump into it, I got three things that I want you to remember. So if you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, write this down, okay? That's how important this is. Number one, next weekend will be life day. Invite someone. Let me say it one more time. Invite someone. Now, you, you may plan on uh, being there and being a part of it. I think that you'll enjoy it and you'll have a good time. But we specifically use this as an opportunity to expose our community to the gospel. Uh, last year, at this event, we had 200-plus people born again for the very first time. 200-plus people came to Christ. Uh, not to mention, not, not just the ones that signed up for baptism, but we also did a spontaneous uh, baptism. Just asking people, hey, if you just gave your life to Christ, you haven't been baptized, you want to be, come down and do it now. And uh, I, I think we baptize people for more than an hour at that event. We're going to do that again. I will give that opportunity. So think about it, right? Would you just consider, would you even just pray, God, who would you have me invite? And if God puts somebody in your mind, would you be brave enough just to open your mouth? Be enough of a friend to say to somebody, hey, come to Life Day with us. I think you have a good time, especially if they have kids. Be an awesome way to expose people to Christ that way. Uh, second thing would just simply be this, and just doing it as a reminder on events like that. And we'll have our offering boxes there, but the truth of the matter is, you're going to run a race, you're, you're going to come in shorts, you're going to come in, you know, just to, to hang out. Uh, easiest way for you to do offering next week, bring it with you if you want to, but the easiest way to do it would be to use our app or to go online and do it through the website, so jfc.org, or use the app, and you can give that way, and that will cover for next weekend. And then last but not least, and uh, this one, uh, as far as note-taking, write this name down, going to be very famous in the next few years. One week ago, I uh, have a brand new grandson that came into the world. Let me, I'll show you a picture here real quick. Look at this, huh? That, that is Ezra Arrow Matat. Ezra Arrow Matat, E-Z-R-A, I'm calling him Easy. that's going to be his nickname, and uh, Easy is um, seven pounds, see if I can do this exactly, seven pounds, six ounces, 21 inches, uh, mother was in labor for three weeks, no, just kidding, she was in labor, it's about, uh, about 15, 16 hours, something like that, she did awesome, here was Katie and JJ's week, Kate gives birth a week ago to Ezra, and today, she graduated from college and walked uh, for her graduate. So in one week, yeah. Can you imagine that? I, to do any of those, one year is a great thing. To do two of those things in one, that's a big week right there. So our family is, we're tired. Uh, she's tired. I'm, I'm just like, wow, God, what a, what a week. So glad, glad to be here and glad to be with you. Well, let's go ahead and we'll jump into this right here. Uh, it is the final message in the series on God We Trust. If you're joining us this week and anything that I say, you're sort of like, 
I, don't, I, I can't follow the cognitive thought on that. I would just simply do this. Uh, go to our website because everything that we teach, we always keep on there. It's free and you can listen to it anytime that you would like to. If you have been listening, I think this will help wrap it up real well, kind of put a bow on it, and then next week we'll do Life Day uh, and then begin uh, going towards a new series. We're calling it uh, Good Father and we're going to talk about the Father heart of God in a series. I think you'll get a lot out of that, too. Uh, but in this one right here, I uh, want to thank, in the last two weeks, both uh, Pastor Dan and Pastor Terry uh, taught. Well, Chris and I, we obviously had a lot going on in the past couple of weeks, and those guys covered the pulpit. Terry, last week for Mother's Day, and then Dan the week before. Thank you, guys, for, for your ministry. Thank you for what you do for us. Great job. Uh, was able to listen online, followed it. I, I just thought they did great. Uh, we're going to talk about the principles of multiplication. The Bible covers a lot of things when it comes to the idea of mathematics. Uh, it deals with uh, addition. So in the New Testament, when it talks about the New Testament church, the Bible says that God added to their numbers daily. You remember that? So added. And then there's also points where it talks about subtraction. In some negative times, it talks about division. But there are also the supernatural times where God gets into multiplication. I'm going to talk about one of those things tonight, and I will just begin by asking this question. Would it be okay if God multiplied the resources that you had, yes or no? Yes. I mean, if it was up to you and you just were like, you know, God, if you really want to, I guess I'm okay. Would, would you be okay with it? Say, so I, I believe that I can show you that I think that it's God's desire to use multiplication in our life. Now, when I say that, and I, I know that you're probably sitting there, first thought you'll be was uh, money. He's talking about money. And while it can apply to money, resources more than money. Do you agree with that? Resources, time. Resources, relationship. Resources, energy. Would it be okay if God multiplied your energy? Would it be okay? <laughs> this is a parent, some parent over here. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I heard. So here, here's, here let, me, let me do this. Um, we'll, we'll use Luke chapter 9. This is actually the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, where, where are we at here? Uh, all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell this story. If you ever happen to be studying, you want to read just, just interesting, all of them tell their point of view on it. They all have a few little different, uh, just little nuances to the story that they each tell. Really interesting. Uh, like one of them will tell that the, that the five loaves and the two fish came from a kid, the only one smart enough to bring lunch with him. Right? We'll get there in just a second. One of them tells that, uh, that Jesus asked the disciples a question, and it's Peter uh, and Philip that happen to answer his question. One of them just says that there were about 5,000 men. doesn't say anything else. The other three says that there were 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So this is a crowd somewhere of around fifteen to 20,000 people that this is taking place with. Jesus is at the apex of his ministry. The reason so many people are following, they've heard about all the miracles, they've been witnessing all the miracles. Wherever he goes attracts very large crowds now. In fact, he's so tired, he gets in a boat with his disciples to go to the other side of the lake to get to a, a quiet place where he can just spend time with the disciples. And the Bible says that all of the people looked at what they were doing, ran around ahead of them to the other side of the lake. So can you imagine? They're going to go on a little vacation. They pull up, and all the people are waiting there, plus all the people that they told. Like Life Day, they told their friends, and they're all waiting there. So Jesus gets out of the boat, and we begin uh, this story uh, right here. And I'll, I'll, you, you can read along with me. So now the day began to wear away. In the Greek, that means the day began to wear away. Now the day began to wear away. I'm back. Come on. Now the day began to wear and the 12 came and said to him, send the crowd away. Remember, they're already tired. Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside 
to find lodging and to get provisions, for we are in a very desolate place. Remember, they've gone to a quiet place to get away from all of the hubbub. And the crowds just simply ran ahead of them and caught them there. But Jesus said to them, uh, no, you give them something to eat. They said, uh, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Now, let, let me, give me uh, just, just for a few seconds here, I want you to use your imagination. And if you need to call it a holy imagination, do that. If, if you're like, Pastor, why do we need that for this story? Because we read this story so cleaned up. And I want you to just, just use your imagination for a moment as to what's going on here. Jesus has begun early in the morning. The inference here is that he's been teaching. In fact, one of the Gospels says he has taught the crowds many things. It's like he's done a whole series on In God We Trust in one day. This this is an hour at a time. This has gone on now all day long. So, So the day's beginning to wear away. They're already tired. And can you see the disciples get together kind of like, somebody needs to tell Jesus that this is going long. And one of them goes, I got an idea. Watch this. Uh, Jesus. And he's, it's, the inference is he stops him while he's speaking, actually. Jesus, the people are tired. We're not, but the people. <laughs> Look how it's said. The people. The people are tired, and the people are hungry. Maybe, maybe, I mean, this is really good stuff. What a series this would make. Not in a day, maybe, but what a series. Would you... Send the people away and let them rest and get fed and we'll come back and do this again tomorrow. And then Jesus turns to them and he, you know, can you, Jesus never, oh, you're right. What am I thinking? Thank you for telling me. I was unaware. I was just waxing elegant. and for, I'm hungry too. You're right. Jesus goes, no, you feed them. Can you imagine? Let me get back to you. Let me go talk to the other 11 real quick. This didn't work well, guys. He wants us to feed them. And here's what we have two fish, and five loaves. Now, in this particular story, it doesn't mention that it came from a kid, but I think it's John that mentions that it came from a youngster who had it. The idea that he brought a lunch and no one else did. It's a a neat story in that it kind of paints a picture of the human side of the disciples, doesn't it? And they're being challenged by Jesus to, to consider not just humanity, not just natural, not just what you have that you can't do, but the fact that he's there and he can do anything. They're being challenged to that, to understand that, man, he's here. What could he do? And isn't it easy that most of the time when we think about a situation, we always just think about uh, in the natural, here's how it has to be. And if we're believers, the first thing we should think about, what can Jesus do in our situation? Here's the truth of the matter. If you've ever experienced any provision by God in your life, even one time, we are forever without excuse from that point forward of forgetting that God has done something miraculous for us and that he can do it again, yes or no? We should never forget that. And yet I think the disciples, man, the reason I think this is in here, here's why I think this is important to look at it this way. If this is a book where they're trying to fool us, they're all going to have the exact same wording, They're all going to make it sound really clean. They're all going to make it sound really religious. They're not going to reveal all the warts, all of the gray hairs in it, all of the wrinkles with it. This is reality, man. This is how people think, yes or no. I'm tired, but I don't want to say that, so I'll blame it on this guy. They're tired, and you're really good, but man, this is long. Send them away. Jesus, of course, is like, oh, 
I'm sorry. Here's what we'll do. Feed them. <laughs> all we have is. That's awesome. Just like Jesus. Let me give two acknowledgments to this message that I want you to see. The first one is God always starts with what you have, not with what you don't have, yes or no. He always starts with what we have. I don't think he ever looks at us and goes, what don't you have that we can use? I think he always wants us to think about what we do have. Now, the problem is we look at what we do have, and we reckon why it won't work. What God wants us to do is look at what we have and realize in his hands, anything becomes possible. So when you hear our message today on multiplication, here's the idea. You may look at your life. You may look at a relationship. You may look, look you may hear me talk about the birth. Uh, by the way, number seven, and here's the count. Five girls, two boys. We're starting to get even now. Okay, we're starting to come up strong. It's not over till it's over. <laughs> Got two other children that can give me massive amounts of... Okay, here's... The thought simply is you hear a story like that. And you think to yourself, my life didn't go that way. Why didn't it work that way for me? I can't, why can't I tell that kind of a story? So we look at what we have, and then we always reason in our head why God hasn't or can't do something great with what we have. And here's what God wants. What do you have? Give it to me. Because when we give it to him in his hands, yes or no, the miraculous can happen. That's where it takes place. He always begins with what we have, though, not with what we don't have. And here's what many people do. If you'll just do this, then I can. Look at what you have right now. What has God already done? What do you have? What can you offer? What can you give to God? Hmm. The second acknowledgement simply would be this right here. First one, God always starts with what we have. The second one is the miracle that's about to take place. I'll read it to you. I just want you to see the acknowledgement. The miracle happened in the disciples' hands, not in the Lord's hands. This, this is important. Because I think many times we think we're just simply bystanders to the event. Look at me. The Lord doesn't want you to be a bystander to the miraculous. He wants you to participate in the miraculous. So, man, when do we realize when the disciples are in the boat in a storm and it's sinking... They, they panic and say, wait, remember he's sleeping. Jesus is asleep in the storm. And they panic, wake him up. And they tell him, Lord, don't you realize we're sinking? Don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus just kind of looks at him with like, again? And stands up and speaks to the one in the waves. They instantly become calm. And then he turns to the disciples, where's your faith? You know, here was the point of this. It's not that Jesus has the power over the one way. Here was the point that Jesus, he gives us the power to speak his. He wants us to participate in the miraculous. And when do we quit crying, aren't you going to do something about this, and stand up and realize he's given us what we need to do something about it? When do we realize that? When do we speak what he's, when do we do what he says to do? Think whenever we realize. So let me finish reading the scripture, guys. Flip back to that. Uh, uh, let's see. Back up one. Okay, but he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Remember, it just mentions in this one only the men. And Jesus said to his disciples, 
have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Don't go to the next page. Let me just say, this just dawned on me. Right, when I'm still, I just look at this here. I, I would say of maybe the greatest miracle here was that Jesus could get people, 5,000 of them, to sit down in groups of 50. Because I don't know if you know about working with people. <laughs> but people don't like to just be led around like that. Like, hey, sit with 50. People are like, well, those are my friends. Can I go sit with them? I, I, the fact that they could get them to sit in groups of 50, I, that's a miracle. Never mind. I, every pastor in the room should have said amen to what I just to what I just, if you work with people, you know what this is like right here. Love you, but you can be difficult. Okay, so, uh, and they, and they, look, and they did so. And they did so, and he had them all sit down, and then taking the five loaves and the two fish, this is Jesus now, he looked up to heaven, he said a blessing over them. Remember, let me point this out. When we pray over our meals, I, I, when I very first began this message right here, or this series right here, and I talked about Jesus. Uh, it says, on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. I talked about the reason we go to church is because Jesus, if we are believers, he is the model for how we live our life. Yes or no? If you're a believer, yes or no? So when we see Jesus do, when it says this was his custom, it should be our custom. All right, so here, here, here was Jesus' custom. Whenever he had food, it was also the Jewish tradition to take and to bless the Lord with it. Baruch and Adonai. Eloheinu Adonai, he would bless the Lord. Blessed are you, O Lord God, who gives forth the fruit of the vine or the grain of the earth. They would bless the Lord. Just This is a freebie. Write it down. Just bless the Lord. All right. I don't know why that was important to me, but it was. Jesus said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and he gave them. So he blessed, broke, and gave. Just quickly, it's not in your notes. It's a metaphor for all of life. Jesus does three things in our lives. He blesses us. There's times that there's a breaking. I don't mean that he takes us and hurts us, but he allows a humility to come to us. Yes or no? I'm going to say it one more time. Humility comes to us. Humility's not bad. I didn't say humiliated. I said humility. He blesses. He breaks it. Here's why there's a brokenness that comes to our lives. Because in the brokenness becomes multiplication. It can be given to people when there's a brokenness in our lives. Yes or no? Pride, no one wants to eat of pride. But humility, the Bible says it attracts God and it actually attracts people. Yes or no? So when Jesus has his hands on a situation, he blesses, he breaks, and he gives. And then let me, let me finish it up. So he broke the loaves, gave them to who? So he didn't give them to the people. He gave it to the disciples. And it, he didn't like, okay, close your eyes real quick. And he blesses it, breaks it. And then when they open their eyes, he's carrying like, somebody help me. That wasn't what was going on. He puts it into their hands. Now, here's what's interesting. When he puts it in their hands, it doesn't multiply instantaneously. I think the disciples had to turn to the crowd with a couple of pieces of fish and bread in their hands. And had to walk by faith to the crowd, wondering what's good. Can you see Peter? Because the, in, in John's gospel, Jesus does ask Philip. He does ask Philip a question, and Peter answers. Is that not amazing? It, it amazed me, but I'm a very simple person. And, and so Peter goes, all we have to give them are two loaves. Can you see Peter walking out with the bread and the fish, a very small amount, and telling the first guy, take a small piece? 
Can you imagine? Take, just take a, just a little. Don't take much. And I, here's what I think. When the last piece was taken, as it was being taken, it would multiply in their hands. So that at each step, there was not like this huge cargo load where they're each walking around. But in their hands, they would pass it out. And as it was taken and they acted in faith, it would multiply until everyone in the place ate and had their fill and were satisfied. And then when they looked around and it was all over with, there was extra. And because God wastes nothing, he said, go and gather it up. And now they had enough for tomorrow. Interesting thought, huh? Let, let me, so I'll, I'll just finish this. So then he broke the leaves, gave it to them, to the disciples, to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up. Never wasted. What was left over was picked up. All right, so let me give you two principles then of multiplication. I think you can see it from this scripture. And I think that it's easy for us to recognize. Number one, it has to be blessed before it can multiply. Do you agree with that principle? It has to be blessed before it can multiply. Here's the benefit of loving God and serving him. That when you give your life to him, when it is sanctified, the word sanctification, it means to set it apart and give it to God to make it holy. Whatever you set aside, so you can set aside a relationship for him like your marriage, um, here's the best way to say it. Listen to this. If you want God's blessing, then you have to do it God's way. Can you agree with that statement? Here's why this is a critical statement. Because in all the world today, people that don't even love God or serve Him still want to be blessed by God. But it doesn't work that way. If you want God's blessing, you have to do it God's way. So let me just make a statement in a relationship. Today, it's very common for people just to live together, to forsake marriage and just to live. It's easier. And they have all sorts of reasons for it. And I realize when I say this, there will be people even in my church who are sitting there thinking, is he talking down? I'm not talking down to you. It doesn't have anything to do with God not loving you. That's not, but his blessing is on marriage. So we're praying. Here's what you're praying. Bless this relationship. You must do it God's way. You must set it aside, sanctify it, do it God's way for God's blessing. Yes or no? It's not a popular message today. I realize that. I realize no one's going to shout, oh, you're so good. But it's truth, yes or no? If you want his blessing, you have to do it his way. You do it his way. What you set aside, what you make holy, what you put in a position in your life that you say this is God's, it belongs to God. This is not for use by the world. Or, or here, it's the word profane. We get the word profanity when we just when profanity. What it's we we use words that are just common. They're not special or holy. When we take things and we make them special or holy, God puts them in a category where He blesses them. So when Jesus is given this bread. It's just common bread, but here's what he does. He blesses, he prays over it, he makes it holy. It's set aside now for his use. All right, so a relationship can be that. A job can be that. You get to decide. Money can be that. Yes, no. It can be used for common or it can be set aside for God's purposes. Do you agree with that statement? It has to be blessed before it can multiply. 
do things God's way to receive his blessing. The second principle of multiplication, it has to be given away before it can multiply, yes or no? Do you see that in the story? Until it's given away, it's not multiplied when he prays over it. It's multiplied in the process of giving it away. So now you sit there and think, okay, so psychologically are you talking about money again? Yes and no. Quite honestly, yes and no. Money is one of those things that God's multiplication process, it's not enough to just go, God, um, just bless it. It blesses it when we give it to God and let it go from our hand. Yes or no? But the same is true in all aspects of life. By the way, I put in your notes, tithing isn't giving it away. It's actually returning it back to God because it belonged to him in the first place. That's the part that he set aside for himself. Which, Pastor Dan, I thought you did an excellent job when you taught that. Let me give you a personal story from my life concerning the idea of multiplication. This is a, this is a funny one because um, this goes back, it, it goes back 18 years ago almost. So we get called to plant the church. I had not ever planned on planting a church. It was not like my thought process. I was a staff pastor. I enjoyed doing what I was doing. I thought that as my pastor just aged and, and retired, uh, our plan was I would step into his, but that was how we saw it going. And it was in that process uh, in, in January, actually, of 1998, that the Lord gave me a dream and, and get, put in my heart to plant a church. Now, look, the natural, the supernatural part was God spoke to me and, and I, forgive the wording, I was impregnated with what God said. I couldn't not do it. But now the natural stepped in because the next day when I got up and I, I figured this whole thing, and I'm like, I'm so excited. Then it was like, how am I going to pay for it? Is that a natural question? So, and I've told this story before. It's maybe if you've been here long, if you're, I, so I begin to bargain with God. God, if you give me $100,000, I can go start that church. It's going to take $100,000 minimum to get that thing started. And it was like crickets. I don't just creak, 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 creak. So I, I wait a couple of days, and I bargain with, okay, I'll do it for 50000 <laughs> I cut it in half. That's reasonable. That's a reasonable person that does that. Creak, 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 25000 God. Now, that's a shoestring, but that just shows the kind of faith I have. I'll go for $25,000. <laughs> Nothing. Not, I mean, not a word. Now, listen, I'm married. I've got five little kids. How am I going to go do this? How do we move? I can't. What am I, how do I? How? How? <laughs> and I'm doing exactly what I'm. I'm looking. I don't look at what I have. My only thought is what I don't have. So then I cut it down to 10. Then I cut it to five. I was just hoping he'd say something so that my dream wasn't pizza. It's like, did I really? Did you really speak to me? And then Brazil, I'm just like, fine. We'll go, but we'll starve. And this is what you want? Fine. <laughs> Somebody needs to tell Jesus what he's doing in this situation to me. Wake up. I'm going down. And I remember, is that that process when I finally just said, I'll go. I'll go. I surrender. I will go. The Lord speaks to me. Uh, it's actually from the book of Genesis. And it's talking about Adam. He creates Adam. He puts him on the earth. It's before Eve is there. And this is what the Bible says. Uh, the Lord God had not yet caused it to rain on the earth because no man was there yet to till the ground. And that's why the earth wasn't producing yet. 
And as soon as I saw that, here's what the Lord said to me. When you get there, it'll rain, baby. But if you're looking for the rain before you go, it doesn't work that way. So do you want to follow me and I'll meet you? Or do you want to try to bargain your way down there? Because if you're going to bargain your way, you're going to have to stand up and bargain your way in front of people every step of the way. You're going to have to bargain with everybody. You're going to have to manipulate, and you're going to have to cut deals. Or if I'm your source, go and trust me in the process and watch what I'll do for you. God is my witness. I, folks, I know you're going to think I am. God is my witness. That night, my telephone rings. And it's a guy, I, I haven't shared this, no one could possibly know this. This is what the guy tells me on the telephone. The guy from our church calls me, says this to me, the Lord told me you are going to start a church and I'm supposed to give you $20,000 to help you do it. Just like that. Now what, I'm, I haven't finished with the story yet. That, that part would be good if it just ended right there. And I tell the guy, uh, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. So I... I'm not sure. And the guy's just like, well, the Lord told me to do it, so I'm going to give it to you. I waited, I waited, I waited, I waited some more, I waited a little more, never came. And I felt like, wow, what am I going to do? I didn't feel like I could go to the guy, press him for it. God put in his heart to do it, he should do it. And if God didn't, then he shouldn't. But I'm just not going to press him for it. Never heard another thing about it from the guy. The Lord provided here we are. Look around. I'm here. We got chairs. We got a roof. We made it. There was all sorts of supernatural things that took place. The guy. Years later, the guy starts a ministry. I hadn't heard from the guy for a long time. Ran into him. Guy starts a ministry, and the Lord tells me, give him $20,000. <laughs> and do you know what I said? I rebuke you, devil. I will not bless this guy. I will not do it. And it was like, man, instantaneous. You ever said something where you know it offends the Holy Spirit? Four of us have done that in the room. The rest of you either don't know who the Holy Spirit is or you're not offensive in any way, shape, or form. I will assume you're not offensive. I knew I grieved the Holy Spirit. And the bottom line is, the bottom line, I gave together $20,000. Had to, had to sell something to do it, but I sold it. And I gave the guy $20,000. We were trying to build this building during that time. This building. And I was trying to raise money, and I was trying to think, God, how are we going to do this? And a family in this church who had no idea came to me, and the single largest gift that's ever been given to this church, ever, was given in four parts, but it totaled $200,000. And they gave that gift within I, within days of me being obedient to let go out of my hand what God told me to do. And I knew when God did that, I didn't stand in front of this church, I didn't manipulate. In fact, the first time I've ever told this complete story is right now tonight. And almost 18 years has gone by since the beginning of that to the completion of me telling this story. But a $20,000 gift, one that was promised to me and wasn't given, then God challenged me to give it to the person who was supposed to give it to me. And by doing that, $200,000, given four times, $50,000 each time, totaling $200,000, was given to this church to help this building be here. How do you explain that? How, how do you... So I have no... I have no 
if you go, you know me. This is not my area of expertise. I'm the one who says that. This is not my given. But God has released me into something right now to teach on the This is how I live my life. The idea of being generous, the idea of, of multiplication, the idea of trusting God. I live, this is not preaching, I live this. This is who I am. And I have an authority to stand up here and speak on this without being afraid. I'm not manipulating. I'm not asking you for anything. I'm not taking an offering when I'm done. And there's no project. But what does God say to you about these things? How do you want to live your life? And would it be okay if God used multiplication in your life? There's a principle. There's a principle. Let me, let me, let me end with this. The last part of the scripture says that they ate until they were satisfied. And there was more than enough. When God has his way in our life, yes or no, there's satisfaction and he always gives us more than enough. If you know him, can you say that that's true? If we know it's true, we are forever without excuse to forget that in any given situation. Our God gives us more than we need. And why would he do that? So we share and he satisfies us to our soul. Father, we love you. We give you the opportunity right now, God, in our obedience to listen to your voice, to talk to you, to say, God, we want you to operate in our life supernaturally. Multiplication is something very much, God, that we all want. We want it in our relationships. We want it in our health. God, we, 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 we want it in our finances. We, we want it, God, all around us. And the blessing of the Lord, uh, the truth of the matter is, God's not just out to try to bless one area of your life. Like so many, so many pastors, when they teach this, they just teach money. God wants to bless all areas of your life. He wants to bless your peace. He wants to bless your plans. He wants to bless your spiritual life. As much as you want to hear from him, as much as you would like to grow in him, don't you think that God wants that even more for you? I asked the question tongue-in-cheek when I began, would it be okay if God were to multiply your resources? The truth of the matter is, I think everyone in this room would agree, yes, that's what I want. Folks, there's principles in the Word of God. That's why it's given to us. What does God say to you through this series? What does God speak to you about the kind of person, the kind of life, the kind of love, the kind of heart that He wants you to have? I've heard so many good reports already of people who have just spontaneously done generous things. And I'm not just talking about giving money, but done generous things with their time. Generous things with their energy. Generous things for their church. Volunteering, even as we talk about coming into VBS. Just the people helping with that. Opportunities to serve in our children. Oh, to be generous. We're most like our Father when we do what our Father does. Lord, lead us into these things. Speak to us about these things. And thank you. For your goodness to all of us, Lord. Thank you. Church, let's just tell him thank you right now. If God's been good to you, just tell him, God, thank you for being good to me. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your hands that are on my life. And here's what I would encourage you to do.
there's anything that you're just sitting there worried about, thinking it's not enough. Maybe it is a marriage. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's even what I challenged you on tonight. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, I haven't done it God's way. Here's my encouragement to you. Do it God's way tonight. Purpose in your heart, I want to do it your way. I want to do my relationships your way. I want to do my time your way. I want to do my money your way. Tell him. Start with what you have. Start with what you have. God, this belongs to you. I'll give this to you. All of our campuses right now, consider what I'm saying. Consider what I'm saying. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, church.